JB, thank you for sharing. And uh, I tell you what, let's just go to the Lord in prayer right now. We'll pray for you. Father, I thank You today in the name of Jesus through the power and the blood of the cross. Lord, I come today for my brother. I thank You for JB. I thank You for his faith, his conviction, his stand. And Lord, I pray this week, Father, that every word that he needs to say may be anointed, may be sent from You. Father, we lift him up to Your throne of grace. Father, um, use JB this week. Bless his testimony. Bless his stand. Bless God his conviction as he stands upon your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, JB had called me yesterday, and I was listening to JB and praying, and I told JB, I said, if you hear some noise, I'm driving through a car wash <laughs> when he called, but uh, praying for JB. Barbara, so good to see you. Good to see you, Yeah. I, I look prettier, don't I? All right, good, good. I told her I, I'm 20 pounds lighter now, so uh, yeah. Robert, thank you for coming today. I had talked with Robert this week, and uh, he is a guest, and I hope that you all get a chance to meet him. I told Robert, I said, just ask for the choir room. And uh, so LaRose got him here, I think. Wonderful text today. And uh, boy, what a crowd. Good looking group here today. And surrounded by people. And we're going to have a good time. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. Verses 18 through 22 talk about a situation where somebody came in and upset the apple cart. Have you ever done that? JB, you may be doing that this week, but uh, upsetting the apple cart. I, um, I know there are times in my life where I got to get to the finish line. And I have to get something done because it's on a list. And you know, you check mark, get everything checked off there. So I've had things done before and I've checked it off. And somebody will have the audacity to come in and say, you didn't do it right. Now many times it's not that I didn't do it right. I didn't do it like they would do it. Alright? And uh, I, I would say, well now listen honey. You didn't bake this cake, I did. You know, this isn't your recipe, this is my recipe, alright? And, and they upset the apple cart. They shake things up, they cause a commotion. I was on a mission trip one time and I had two wonderful guys that I love and, and uh, we were pouring some concrete. Now you're talking about a mess. You get guys that don't know what they're doing pouring concrete, you got a mess. So these guys got out there and they had a tape measure. So they were measuring here and measuring there and they had some wooden stakes. They put a stake down here and they were crawling on the ground and measuring and then experts showed up guy that has a concrete business. His name is Marty. 
Marty showed up. First thing he did, he walked out there and just kicked over all those stakes. And then he had this real neat little laser thing where it shot the line down there, put that laser on it, and uh, those two guys that went to all that work said, boy, he came in and upset the apple cart. Jesus had a way of doing that. Jesus comes in and shakes things up. That, that phrase, upsetting the apple cart, means, according to one definition, to cause trouble, especially by spoiling someone's plans. I thought about that definition to cause trouble by spoiling someone's plans. I had a guy in one church, I called him TR. He said, what does TR stand for? I said, it stands for trouble. I said, anytime you show up, TR, there's always trouble. Well, Jesus spoiled the plans and the uh, really the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. And so I want to begin here in verse 18. Let's just go ahead and read this. 18 through 22. Mark chapter 2. John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And they came and said to Him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, While the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear results. No one put, puts new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the wine will burst, the skins and the wine is lost, and the skins as well. But one puts new wine into fresh wine skins. Now, Jesus in that passage right there comes in and in a stunning, remarkable way throws over the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. Jesus was always in the business of shaking the establishment up. Boy, I, I love that. I love His teaching when He is in a confrontation and He's standing on truth He's standing on principle and He's standing against those who are really against God. Now, what got all this started is that Jesus had a dinner. Remember Levi here beginning in verse 14. He has this dinner with a convert named Levi or Matthew. Matthew is a tax collector, a sinner. And so... This begins the controversy. And so, it goes from there to the scribes and the Pharisees trying to build a case against Him. You know, it's interesting 
In the Old Testament, there is the law. But no one could ever fully keep the law. And the reason why is because the law is on the outside. We need the law in the heart. We need a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus was always more concerned with us having a relationship with Him than us keeping a man-made ritual. I remember years ago, I had a guy come to me and he was quite proud of the uh, constitution and bylaws the church had. They were about that thick. And then he said, now we've got a bylaws upon bylaws upon bylaws through the years. And he said, recently we came up with a new book, and he had another notebook about that thick. That was an interpretation for the Constitution and bylaws they already had. I said, now listen, you got the bylaws, then you got the interpretation of the bylaws, and then you got the amendments and the revisions. I said, when do you get to the Word of God? You know, in a lot of churches, people know the bylaws better than they know the Word. I want to tell you, I, I grabbed a set of bylaws one time and I said, there ain't a word in here written in red. Not a word of it. And you and I need to always defer to the Word of God. I like what the old children used to sing. I stand alone on the Word of God. Remember that? No, we used to sing that B-I-B-L-E. I don't remember that song. No, I remember in vacation Bible school, they'd sing Onward Christian Soldiers. We'd stand do the pledge. I also remember a two-week vacation Bible school. Man, that liked to, liked to kill us. But you know, we didn't have anything else to do. As before, iPad and iPhone and I this and I that. So we had to occupy our time. Well, as we look at this text, we find three wonderful truths. And the first is Jesus and the rebuke. Verse 18. Verse 18 is the rebuke. It says John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. And they came and said to Him, Why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast but your disciples do not fast. I'm so glad we got this passage this week, not last week. We had a wonderful dinner last week, and uh, so we're going to talk about fasting today. Well, here's the rebuke. Jesus is rebuked by the Pharisees, scribes, and even John's disciples. To stand on the right side, you got to stand against somebody. Never forget that. To have the right kind of friends, you got to have the wrong kind of friends. To have the right kind of fellowship, there's a wrong kind of fellowship. And Jesus stood against these scribes and Pharisees. And so they, they rebuked Him. They were saying, shame on you, Jesus. You're not fasting like everybody else. Well, 
Fasting was a ritual. Uh, fasting is something that people do in a right way that helps you focus and clear your mind upon spiritual things. Now, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a big faster. That, that's not usually my cup of tea. When I'm hungry, my mind is on a Big Mac. And I'll, just, I'll confess to you. But I do know there are times that for spiritual reasons you, you fast. In the Old Testament, fasting was called for just one single time. In Leviticus 16, verse 29, it is connected with the Day of Atonement. And so on the Day of Atonement, that holy, sacred day, the people of God were called to fast. In fact, here's, here's the verse. It says, you shall humble your souls. From that, they got to humble our souls. We need to fast. That's the Old Testament. Well, here's what the scribes and Pharisees did. They went from that to saying, well, to be more spiritual, let's just fast twice a week. And so they fasted on Monday and on Thursday from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. every single week. And so when Jesus comes along, they say, you're not fasting twice a week like everybody else. It was a ritual. Now, let me hit you where you live, okay? It may not be fasting, but it might be something else. A ritual is something that a legalist uses and tries to elevate the ritual to the standard of the Word of God. There are good rituals and there are bad ones, but any time you try to say a ritual is as important as Scripture, man, you've gone down the wrong road. And that's what Jesus was saying. That rituals might be okay, but don't ever replace the Word of God. Now, verse 18 in this rebuke, what I think probably happened, this is just my speculation. You know this uh, dinner party they had with Matthew? Guess what day it was on? Monday or Thursday. <laughs> and that, that's just my speculation. It was on the same day that they were supposed to fast. Let me name some bad rituals. You might disagree with this and that's okay, but I'm doing the preaching up here, so... <laughs> I had a lady one time that said, uh, so-and-so died in the church, and uh, I'm going to light a candle to her spirit. I think that's a bad ritual. Sometimes there are people that say, I've got to pray 
two times, three times, five times a day in this spot before this picture at this exact time, I think that's a bad ritual. I've had people that had a picture of a mom or a dad. And even though you want to honor them, you're never to worship a person like you do the Lord. As always a bad ritual. Even reading your Bible or praying can become a bad ritual. You might say, well, how in the world can you do that? Well, you can do that when you say, I've got to read the Bible, I've got to read this much, I've got to read at this time. Listen, you read the Bible when God's Spirit is on you and when you've got your mind in the right spot and most importantly, your heart is in the right spot. Reading the Bible just because it's time to read it is a bad ritual if God's Spirit is not communicating with you and giving you a word. Jesus, in the face of a rebuke, stood firmly on the Word of God. Ritual is always wrong if it's not ordained by God. The Pharisees had thousands and thousands and thousands of rules but they forgot all about love, mercy, and justice. And that's where they messed up. Alright, Jesus had a better response than me, okay? Look at 19 and 20. Here's, here's the Lord's response. Verse 19, And Jesus said to them, While the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Now, the explanation that Jesus uses is simply this. I'm the bridegroom. One day the bridegroom is going to be taken away. Then they can fast. But as long as I'm here, we're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. Now, the taking away, He's talking about the cross. He's talking about the time when Jesus would go to a cross. Read John chapter 14, verse 1. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. He was talking about the breaking, the sadness, the breaking of the heart that took place when Jesus died on the cross. But He's saying, today, we're going to celebrate. We're going to have a party. Now, Jesus in verse number 20, if you look at verse number 20, there's an expectation here. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. The expectation is, when Jesus is absent, there's always gloom and doom. But when Jesus is present, there ought to be celebration. Now let, me, let me mess with you, okay? Because you know I love doing that, alright? It's 10.30. It's Sunday morning. Man, Charlton has got it cranked up. I mean, man, boy, God's people, they're marching into the sanctuary. 
organs playing. Then here comes the choir like a mighty army. They're standing and they're singing, How great is our God! Man, the, the pulpit furnitures are shaken up there because of the sound of a mighty army. And the Spirit of the Lord is just so thick in the sanctuary. I want to tell you, Jesus is there in mighty power. How can God's people not celebrate? Anytime Jesus shows up, there ought to be joy. There ought to be celebration. There ought to be excitement. And in worship, where two or more are gathered in His name, He is there. And so, this excitement that Jesus talks about, when the bridegroom is there, man, when Jesus is there, there ought to be joy and celebration, not, not sadness. Alright, third and last thing today. Look at the revelation. And that's verses 21 and 22. Here is Jesus and His revelation. Let's read verse 21. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and a worse tear results. Y'all remember the day and time when you didn't throw clothes away, but you took a patch and you ironed it or sewed it on a garment. I thought it was fashionable. And you know, I remember having these uh, these old cheap, uh, they were called tough nut jeans. Bombed down at the hardware store. My mama would sew the, the patch or then when she got high class and fancy, they'd iron those, those patches on. Jesus is saying, you better make sure you dip that patch in the water first that it's already shrunk before you put it on the clothes. Now, Jesus was trying to get across here. Here's the revelation. He uses two different illustrations, one about the patch and one about wine. But He's saying that religion and ritual and rules cannot coexist with the liberation of the Gospel. Man, when I got saved, I got free. I'm not going to be bound up again. When I got saved, I got liberated. I'm not going back to prison again. When I got saved, I got grace. Man, grace is greater than the law. When I got saved, I got free from man's expectations. I don't have to be anything I don't want to be that Christ doesn't want me to be. Man, I got free when I got saved. Now, I know that's preaching, but it's good. Alright? Man, we are free in Christ. Take your Bible. Look over to John chapter 8 real quick. John 8. Holy Spirit just gave this to me. Look at John chapter 8. Look at John 8 and look at verse 32. John 8, 32. 
John chapter 8, verse 32. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Now look down at verse 36. John chapter 8, verse 36. So, if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. One translation says, you will be really free. I, I don't understand it. How, how in the world does someone who is saved by grace, that has the free gift of eternal life, why do they want to go back to that dead ritual of legalism? I, I despise, I just don't like legalists. I'm a champion for grace. Alright, so verse 21, Mark 2.21, there's the illustration of the patch. And then verse 22, look at that. No one puts new wine into old wine skins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and the skins as well. But one puts new wine into fresh wine skins. Jesus said, you don't take wine that's new and put it into the old wine skin. If you do, it's going to burst and break the skin. Jesus said, my movement, my faith, my grace liberating theology will not fit with the old legalism. When I got married, something happened in my life that made me what I am today. <laughs> I know when you know when, when you get married, you know two become one, and and you kind of get get mixed up there. And some of Pam rubbed off on me, and some of me rubbed off on her. Praise the Lord, more of her rubbed off on me than the other way, but. Uh, but I, if you could have seen me back then, I always wore a black suit. Three-piece. Had the, the vest, the black suit. I had a big old pocket watch I carried in that vest with a long chain on it. I had a big old 20-pound... 1911 Bible. I mean, I walked around saying, How art thou today? <laughs> I'd go see someone in the hospital. I'd say, Barely, barely, I'm here to see you. <laughs> My wife got a hold of me and she said, You're a wonderful guy. And I said, Stop right there. <laughs> She said, you're a wonderful guy. And she said, just be who you are. And more importantly, be who God made you to be. And I think if I could summarize this passage, I would say, just be who you are. Don't you dare let a legalist tell you because of some sin in your past that you're not qualified. You're not qualified to serve the Lord today. In fact, if that happens to you, you tell me who it is, and I'll go whip them for you. 
and I'll be glad to clean their clock. And I'll bring the ladder to climb on. I will. I will. But Jesus, when He sets you free, past, present, future, it's all under the blood. Amen. It's all covered. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the great preacher, one time said, I have found in my own spiritual life that the more rules I lay down for myself, the more sins I commit. The habit of regular morning and evening prayer is one which is indispensable to a believer's life. But the prescribing of the length of that prayer and the constrained remembrance of so many persons and subjects may gender unto bondage and it will strangle the prayer instead of assistant. Listen, prayers are strangled when someone tells you you've got to do it this way. You do it the way the Holy Spirit moves into your life. Alright, let me pray for you. Father, thank You today. Man, what a word. What a wonderful word today. Father, I pray that You remind us to live by grace through faith. It is Christ. It is all of Him and none of us. To God be the glory. Oh Lord, today, Father, we are entering the sanctuary to worship. Father, may You come down. May You move in a mighty way. Father, give us joy. God, give us a voice to sing with. And Father, we'll praise You today in Jesus' name. All the people said... Amen. Amen. Have a great day.